So, good morning, brothers and sisters. Yeah, it's something new for me, unusual. Uh, yeah, today the topic of my sermon is the reason to be happy. And normally when you set up the topic, you keep repeating and talking about it throughout the talk. However, today I will go in quite a roundabout way. But don't worry, we will get there eventually. <laughs> and yeah, also, when I was communicating with Raymond, I was asking how long usually this talk is in North London. And he said to me, something between 20 and 30 minutes will be fine. However, once when I was preparing myself for the sermon, I was reading True Father's Guidance for Giving Sermon from the Way of Spiritual Leader, and I came across these words. <laughs> At least somewhat optimistic, <laughs> but we'll see how, how it will go. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I would like to begin my talk today with a personal experience, which I had not long ago, maybe a couple of months ago. I have a dog, and every evening I go for a walk with the dog in the fields. And when I'm not accompanied by my boys, I like to have a little conversation with God. And sometimes it goes smoothly, sometimes not so. But one day it was absolutely bloody nightmare. <laughs> it's most literally, I said, dear beloved heavenly parent, and next second my thoughts went to everything that's happening in Ukraine, all the information I read and watched on YouTube, and I wasn't talking to God about that. I was just rolling it in my brain. Then I re realized what is going on, I stopped myself, reset, gave focus, and Next second, my thoughts were all over the problems which I have at work. Again, reset, and what shall I cook for dinner this Wednesday? Bloody hell, it was infuriating. In absolute despair, I just screamed, God, I love you. And all this jumble of thoughts was gone, replaced by one thought. Do you? And I recognized it as my own. And I was trying to argue with myself, no, no, I do love God. But then, wouldn't it be easy for you to concentrate on talk with God if you love him? Maybe you don't love him enough. And I found myself leaning towards this idea, but then, Another thought entered my head, which said, wrong question. It's not that you don't love me enough, which is the problem. You don't love yourself enough. That's what creates the barrier. And why I'm telling you this story? Because while I'm sure that this kind of problem with concentration on God during the prayer is my unique problem. 
But I have reason to believe that lack of self-love is universal problem. And why we need to love ourselves? First of all, we need to understand the value of love in general. And I would love to give more extensive explanation, but I have set up a limit, so I have to pull back a little bit. And, but it all comes, you're familiar with the explanation of God's heart from unification thought. That the central point of God is the heart, which is uh, impulse to receive joy through love. It's an irrepressible strife to receive joy through seeing the happiness of objects of love. And this is the motivation behind the creation. And then, step further, we know that in Bible, it said that God created us in his own image and how we resemble God. Almost 8 billion people in the world, and each one of them in God's image. We resemble God because we have exactly the same heart as he has. Irrepressible impulse, which striving to give love. But unfortunately, due to the fall, we not only lost connection with God, we lost understanding of our heart and of love in general. People in the world saying that love is the most important thing there is, but there is not no understanding about love. People don't even think that you need to learn to love. But there is a good news. As God has never left us, he was trying to restore us back from the very beginning. And he was giving hints about how we can restore our ability to love throughout the history. And he's still giving the same hints. And the oldest hints I know are these ones. Very well known. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And it's very interesting because, as you see, it was said during Old Testament time. And then Jesus reinforced this by saying that this commandment is as strong and as it's important as love your God. But yet, this commandment for thousands of years was misunderstood. There was, there was always focus on love your neighbor, while love yourself was considered to be selfish and sinful, and still is in many denominations. But what this commandment talks about? This commandment points out on give and take actions. And what is a give and take action? It is fundamental principle, basically foundation for the universe, for everything. In give and take action, they are born all energy and power needed 
for existence, action, and multiplication, and growth. Without give and take actions, nothing can develop, nothing can grow, nothing can exist. And principle of creation explain that for best result, there must be harmony between both positions in give and take action. And when there is a harmony, which was pointed out that love your neighbor as yourself, there must be harmony. And then power of love can start growing. And it is logical, basically, because when you love yourself, when you're doing something that you feel loved by yourself, how would you feel? Yeah, you'll feel happy. And when you feel good, how do you want other people around you to feel? Yeah, it's a natural process. And as I said, God was giving hints throughout the history. This is a hint from 13th century when Meister Eckhart explained it in more detail. If you love yourself, you love everybody else as you do yourself. As long as you love another person less than yourself, you will not succeed in loving yourself. But if you love all alike, including yourself, you will love them as one person. And that person is both God and man. Those, he is the greatest righteous person who loving himself loves all others equally. And as I said, the same message appearing again and again throughout the history. I was seeing the same message given by uh, psychologists, sociologists, again and again. I will not go through all of them today, but I want to point out to one more message. People who do not love their nation cannot love God. Those who do not love their parents cannot love their nation. Further, those who do not love themselves cannot love their parents. Therefore, to be able to love your parents, love your nation, love the world, and love God, you must first love yourself. Otherwise, you are not adequate to love your family, your nation, or the world. Neither can you perfectly love God. So, then, how to love yourself? Any ideas? Please, don't be shy. <laughs> Do good things. That yeah. feel that is worthwhile and you can respect yourself. Good. Don't judge yourself. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Keep yourself like someone you're responsible for looking after. Mm -hmm. I hear someone reading Jordan Peterson. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. But whatever you do love to, so to love yourself, I would suggest a couple of pointers which can be helpful. One, remember that self-love must be proactive. It's not like we are not loving ourselves completely, but most of the time, 
love to ourselves, from ourselves, come accidentally. We just did something accidentally, and, yeah, and feel good. Sometimes, yeah, we take some deliberate action, but we need to be more proactive. We need to remember that to love yourself is as important as loving others. Be proactive here, and then be consistent, which means put it in a schedule on a daily basis, or if it's complicated on a daily basis, at least on a weekly basis. Put it in a schedule and keep this schedule as a very, very important appointment. And then love must be good for you. And how to understand if it is good for you? First of all, need to remember that Loving yourself and pleasing yourself is not the same thing. Even though pleasure can come with love, but it's not exactly the same. But how to realize what is good for me? Anything that will bring joy and satisfaction without undertone of shame or guilt, anything that bringing you, which is good for your health, and your peace of mind will do. But apart from some actions, favorite activities which you can undertake, there are other ways how we can love ourselves and bring more permanent happiness into our lives. One of such things is savoring. I know that as I wasn't born here, so savoring wasn't from my uh, childhood on my tongue. You're very well familiar with this uh, uh, term. But what is interesting is that recently this term is described by psychologists in a uh, positive psychology. And it described as the concept that being mindfully engaged and aware of your feeling during positive events can increase happiness in the short and long run. And in other words, what is savoring? It's noticing when you see something good, something positive, and give yourself time to connect with the feeling which is rising inside you during that moment. And honestly, I cannot speak highly enough about savoring. It is such an amazing tool. Because first of all, it's so simple. It does not require anything. It does not require money. It does not require even time. Because we are not talking here even about minutes. We are talking here about seconds. Just when you see something beautiful, to stop for two, three seconds and notice it and connect with the feelings. But changes it brings in your life is amazing. Because more you savor, more you accumulate feeling of happiness in your life. I'm always comparing it as a, like every time you savor something, you're drop, dropping a little soft cushion around you. <laughs> and more cushions you drop, like that, 
better will be. Because next time when the life will dish you a blow, which will knock you off your feet, and unfortunately, that is something we can be sure of. It will happen. Sooner or later, we will be in a situation when life will dish us a blow. But if there is enough cushions around, our fall will not be as painful. And it will be much easier to get up. And also to kind of emphasize the savoring more clearly. Please read this. When I went to the mountains, I would touch all the flowers and trees. I wasn't satisfied just to look at things with my eyes. I had to touch the flowers, smell them, even put them in my mouth and chew on them. I enjoyed the fragrances and the touch and the taste so much that I wouldn't have minded if someone had told me to stick my nose in the brush and keep it there all day. That is a savoring from the capital S. <laughs> Why true parents are so amazing? Why they are so connected with God? Why they are so full of love? Because they know these things. They are part of their life from the very, very young age. And that is something we can connect as well. And furthermore, savoring lays out the road to more complicated, but also very important uh, practice which can make the happiness in your life even more permanent. It's mindfulness. And again, to describe mindfulness, I think the best will be another extract from True Father's autobiography. It's actually on the very first page in the preface. The older I became, the more it means to me that in nature spring follows winter and brings with it flowers in full bloom. What am I that God in each season allows the flowers to bloom and the snow to fall, so I might know the joy of being alive? Love wells up within the deepest recess of my heart, and I am overcome with emotion. And I am moved to tears to think that everything of real value has been given to me freely. Those are words of deeply mindful person. And what is mindfulness? Mindfulness, in basic words, is the realization that you are alive, remembering it if not at every point in your life, but at least as often as possible. And basic description of mindfulness taken from dictionary means that mindfulness is a mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness on the present moment while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, thoughts, and bodily sensations. So being in the present, focusing on what's going on with you right now, and 
which I find especially valuable. Do not attach any judgment to what you uh, perceive from the world. Just feel it as it is, without attaching any judgment. And it is very valuable, especially when it's connected with people and with yourself. Because that opens up the door for another extremely important thing, which needed for us when we're talking about self-love, self-knowledge. And this is very simple. Because, well, self-knowledge isn't simple, <laughs> but how it brings love in your life is simple. Because basically, you cannot say that you love something or someone if you don't know them, including yourself. You need to know, you need to understand. You cannot say, oh, I love flowers, and yet you don't know what they need. <laughs> they will just die on your windowsill. <laughs> you need to understand them. You need to know them. And the same about yourself. To, to love ourselves, we need to know ourselves. Here are the quite nice words. But in order to be strong, you have to love yourself. And in order to love yourself, you need thorough self-knowledge. You need to know everything about yourself, including your most hidden secrets, the ones most difficult to accept. And because of that self-knowledge, it's extremely difficult. Everyone knows that even accept something good about yourself, often hard. Just to look at yourself and to say, hmm, actually, I'm very good at that, at that and at that, I'm brilliant. How easy it is? No, it's not easy. But to look into the eyes of your own monsters. No, I don't want to see them. Brush them under the carpet. Shoot them in the corner. But if I don't see my monsters, what will happen? They will start popping up in moments when I least expect them, and when I cannot control them. That's why it's much better to keep them in the open, but then I can control them. And in the end of the day, Satan has not created anything, any negative traits in our life are not created by Satan. They are twisted from our original nature. And if we see it clearly, we can untwist it. And we can make it work in a positive way. And furthermore, yeah, that, that's why even ancient people say that knowing yourself is the beginning of wisdom. And it's opened your eyes on so many things, on understanding so many things, and it's helped you to understand other people much better. And that brings you to the most uh, amazing way how to love yourself, which is connected with loving your neighbor. And how 
this all connected, it's very simple. Because to love someone, you need to give them not what they want and not what you think they need, but what they really need. And to understand that, especially when that person himself or herself don't understand what they need. You need to understand that person. But you cannot understand another without first understanding yourself. That's why self-knowledge is so important. But here we are talking already about love between people. And I want to emphasize again that in today's world, there is lots of confusion about what love is and what love isn't. And basic perception of love in this world is that if you give someone love, you should receive love. But if to look at this from point of view of principle of creation, this is a too active position. It's against of the principle of creation. It's would not work. In our movement, we have better formula, which I would say we maybe failed to interpret, <laughs> which states that true love is to give and forget. But excuse me, it's not give and take action at all. There's only one position. It wouldn't work. But what divine principles speak about that? Interestingly, in the uh, divine principle, which is a colored, this part is colored in blue color. It's important, but maybe not that important. From my point of view, it should be colored in gold and printed on the cover. When the two entities discrete manifestations of God's dual characteristics form a common base and seek to unite as a third object partner to God and establish a four-position foundation, they will engage in give-and-take action. In accomplishing this, the emotional force that subject partner gives to object partner is called love. And the emotional force that object partner returns to subject partner is called beauty. The force of love is active. The stimulation of beauty is passive. Why I am so obsessed <laughs> with this quotation? To explain it better, let's take again flowers. If you love flowers, roses or orchids, you'll Google up Everything they need, fertilizer, soil, moisture, everything. And if you put everything just right, what will happen? They will bloom. They will return you beauty. Exactly the same work with people. Minus Googling. Never do that. That will not work. <laughs> Never. <laughs> but otherwise, when you find everything, put everything just right for another person, they will bloom. They will return your beauty through being happy. 
And in this respect, true parents 100% right by saying that true love is to give and forget because you don't need to receive anything. Beauty is not active part. It's not something that could be given to you. It's something that could be observed by you after your action. And that's why it's so amazing, so incredible. And this sounds like a stimulation of beauty is passive, like something may be diminishing, but how strong it is. Just try to think of it. I'm sure that many of you have experienced it in your life. Think if you ever have tried to give present to someone. Or maybe even on the whim of the moment, you saw something in your house and thought, oh, I think that that person would really appreciate that. And you just pack it up, brought to the person, and when that person opened up the present, their face just lit up. And maybe they were so overwhelmed that all they can tell you was, oh, thank you. And that's it. Who had such moments? Who have experienced that? And if you experience that, at that moment, have you felt like, hmm, thank you, is that all? <laughs> or even years after that, have you ever felt that, oh, I wish that person would have done something similar to me? Oh, that was absolutely enough, even more than enough. Sometimes you can feel even too much. I felt like a running away screaming in such a situation, how overwhelming it could be. And that is just a tiny little sparkle of beauty. But imagine if you became for someone, a person who changed completely someone's life, that they become much more grown, much more fulfilled, happier, that every time that person see you, it made their day. They want to sing and dance and forget everything and be with you. How that would feel? But imagine if you have 10 people like that in your life, or 100, or half, half of London. How amazing that would feel. How happy it will make you, yourself. And is it selfish to dream about basking in the beauty of thousands of people? Especially considering that their beauty means their happiness. If that is selfish, then God is the most selfish person. <laughs> and as in these words I said, that the purpose of creation is God's joy, of course. But in order to ensure and fulfill God's joy, mankind and all things need to achieve abundant joy. And this is the reason to be happy. 
Because when we build up happiness in our lives, we return beauty to God. We fulfill original purpose of creation. And how amazing is that? And I would like to conclude with another uh, personal experience, which actually happened a couple of weeks after my first one, <laughs> which I told in the beginning. Once again, I was walking my dog in the field. Once again, I start conversation with God, and I start something like a dear beloved heavenly parent I would like to share with you, and then I stop myself. And I ask myself, hmm, man, do you want to talk to God or talk with God? And then I said, you know, heavenly parent, how are you anyway? <laughs> and next second, I start chastising myself. Bloody hell, how he can be? And all images of war in Ukraine, of poverty, of other disasters are flooding my mind. But then a thought cut through them. And that's how it was. <laughs> but you are talking to me now. And after I managed to put myself together a little bit, I said, God, I'm glad that I can bring you some joy. But I feel so inadequate. I want to do so much more. What can I do for you? And told me, become better in what you do, and teach others to be happy. That's why I accepted this invitation. That's why <laughs> whenever people talk with me long enough, they do all the time, will start talking about uh, well-being program, <laughs> which I run. Because God loves you so much. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to shine with happiness like a brightest star. And even if you will not remember much from today's sermon, because it was a bit long, please always remember these words. You can be quite confident in the fact that without you, God cannot be happy. Thank you very much.